Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. And as you're doing that, I want you to think on the question, how, how would you define peace? What is peace? What, if we said peace is, what would you say? Shalom. Who said that? Oh, good. What else? Rest. Assurance. What was that? I heard one. Knowing God. Uh, yeah, these are all great answers. My son Henry had this prompt in his preschool this week, and I would just like to share with you what he said. I don't know if you can see that, but it says, Peace is playing with robots. So... <laughs> And you got a little picture of a robot right there, so, right there, so. So, many of us define peace in many different ways. But I want us to talk this morning about the path of peace. To me, this is one of the hardest themes of Advent. And, and we'll get into that. But we've been looking at the, looking at this Christmas story through the lens of the life of David this year. And we've been talking about his, his, the, the longing for a king that the nation of Israel had and, and talking about the anointing that Samuel did and talking about David on the run from Saul. And you imagine a person like David who, by the time he finally becomes king and has rest from his enemies, he's a man who's looking for peace. And so he names his capital Jerusalem, the city of peace. And his son, who will inherit his throne, is Solomon, which is a form of shalom, which means peace. And so you have the reflection of this man who, who's longing for rest. And he comes and he, he tells the Lord that he's going to build him a temple. And the Lord says, no, I actually am going to build you a temple. And there becomes the, these stories that get passed down from the life of David and, and God's interaction with David in which this promise of one who is to come is going to establish peace for the nation of Israel. And the people thought that this was going to be Solomon. His name means peace. And yet we see in the stories that Solomon turns out to be not so good of a king after all. But these prophecies continue. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, after the people are threatened by the Assyrians, and later they'll be threatened by the Babylonians, the wars continue even after the life of David. We get this prophecy from Isaiah, starting in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And you have not only David as a man who was looking for peace, but you have this nation of people that has been looking for rest from their enemies. And we have a people today here, Still, today, looking for peace in our world, right? We sing our Christmas songs that we've sung even today, this promise of peace that will come. And and it's in our secular songs as well. You don't have to be in on the Jesus story to have this longing of peace that seems particularly poignant this time of year, isn't it? And it comes in in these songs, it comes in the way that we tell this story. And so all the way forward to Luke. In Luke chapter 1, as an angel has come to Zechariah and told him that he is going to have a son who will lead the way for the Messiah who is to come. Zechariah sings a song. He, and at the end of it, as he's speaking of his son John, he says, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. This is verse 76. Of Luke chapter 1. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. This is language from Isaiah that we just read. Shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. The one to come after John is going to be the one to guide our feet in the path of peace. So the angels in the next chapter, they come to the shepherds and they announce glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This promise of peace is finding fulfillment in the son of David, but it wasn't Solomon. It's Jesus who is coming to bring peace. And so Zacharias sings a song proclaiming peace of the one to come. And the angels come and they proclaim peace. And we love this idea of peace. But as I said, I think this is the hardest theme for us because peace can seem so far away when we look at our world. It seems so out of touch from what we know as our reality that when we sing about peace, it just becomes sentimentality like it it just becomes something intangible that oh that's a nice idea but the challenge for us as we step in as christians into this season of advent of waiting for the coming of christ and remembering the longing and the fear the challenge for us is will we allow ourselves to be led into something deeper something truer than just a nice idea that we hope for, but probably isn't a possibility. We like the idea. Uh, one, of, one of the songs that you hear on the radio this time of year, 
John Lennon song, uh, Happy Christmas, and they, they, the chorus comes along, War is over if you want it. You know this, this song? I have to confess this. When I was in my younger days, my cousin and I had a band. This was, this was our, one of our Christmas covers that we would do. We would sing this song. Uh, and it's, I, I, have, I don't have a problem with this song, but, but war is over if you want it. Is it really? Is that all it takes? Like, all of, all of the conflict that exists in our world today, and all it takes is for us to just say, oh, we don't want this anymore, and all of a sudden it stops? Or is it a little more complicated than that? Because really the message of the empire, the message of Rome at the time of Jesus was certainly this. War is over if you want it. We're going to come into your city with our army and you will have peace as long as you don't put up a fight. War is over if you want it. Here we are to bring you peace. Oh, and if you don't want our peace that we bring you, we'll crucify you. And we'll crucify you by the hundreds, and then guess what? We'll have our peace anyway. So it's not just a matter of saying, if you just stop resisting and let us have our way, you will have peace. Because it doesn't really address the heart of the conflict that, hey, maybe we don't want Romans in our city. And it doesn't in our lives to say, oh, we just won't have conflict if we stop fighting with one another doesn't work with the, the heart of the conflict that somebody has been wronged. And so when Isaiah talks about the one who is to come to bring peace, the Prince of Peace, part of what Isaiah says is he's going to establish justice and righteousness, which is the idea that those who have been wronged will be given what is right. And that there, this is the, the difference between the Greek idea of peace, which just means an absence of conflict, and the Hebrew, Hebrew ideal of shalom that we're talking about. That it's not just about, hey, let's all stop fighting and get along, but it's about wrongs being righted. And this is the promise that Christ has. And the way in which Christ brings peace. We read this already in our, in our candle reading from Ephesians chapter 2 is so significant that, that Paul latches onto this idea in so many of his letters. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says in verse 12, he says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. There is this tension And this division that existed between you and God, between you and others. But now, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away 
and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And it's so significant that what Paul is doing here, we, we miss this because we're so used to the, to the story of Christ and to the, to the Christmas story and the story of Easter to see what Paul is doing. Remember, the way in which the Romans brought peace, if you didn't want the peace that they brought, was what? Death, right? The cross. This was the way in which peace accomplished. We will bring our violence and our destruction. And Christ, Paul says, that it's through the cross that he has brought us peace. But it's not by bearing the cross as a weapon, but by bearing the cross himself that he has brought peace for us. He has taken the weapons of the enemy upon himself and brought us peace. He doesn't do it by winning, but by losing everything. By surrendering, surrendering, by making himself nothing, and by dying. Peace is accomplished. And so as we reflect on peace this morning... The first step is to recognize and to accept the work that Christ has done on our behalf to bring us peace. That, that this ideal that we're longing for cannot begin until we have found reconciliation with God in the work that he has done on our behalf. This is where peace begins. And the work of God taking on our punishment for us. And then he has come to guide us on the path of peace that this is how peace will be accomplished. The shalom path happens through our willingness to take it on ourselves. And this is why I say this is such a hard theme for us because frankly when we stop Most of us don't want to do that work. We don't want to do the work to bring about peace in our own relationships if it's going to cost us. What we want is to say, you all start doing what I want you to do and we'll have peace. Right? This is how it works in my house at least when my kids are misbehaving. Right? I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do the work to, to, if they're, if they're frustrated with something, I don't always want to do the work to to listen to what they're frustrated about. When they say, why do I have to do that? I say, because I said so, right? How many of you said that line before? (laughs) Swore to myself I would never say that line. I've said that line so many times. Uh, we We don't want the work that peace costs us. We want to get our way. And then there will be peace if everyone else just does what we want to do. But he's come to guide us on this path. And it requires, I think, an immense faith to think that we could somehow lose what is most dear to us and in that find life and in that find peace. But this is the path that we are invited to walk as Christians. That in our relationships, We choose to be the ones 
to forgive when we have been wronged. We choose the ones to forgive again and again. How many times did Peter asked Jesus? How many times? Up to seven? No, 70 times seven. Continue to forgive. Continue to be the ones who work for peace. Paul says elsewhere, do everything you can to live at peace with everyone. And understanding that it might not be possible for you to have peace in your relationships. It might not be possible for us to create a world that is peace. It's not possible. Christ will do that work. But as far as it depends on me, I'm going to strive for peace. As far as it depends on you, be a people who walk the path of peace. And this, I think, why this is so hard is because this seems like a little bit of a downer, right? <laughs> we, we want to have this way of life, but we don't necessarily want the work for it. But look at what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll end with this. Our, our choir theme is going to be singing, the, the theme of their, the songs that they're singing is Joy Has Dawned. And we have a pink candle today on the day of, that we remember peace because of the joy of what Christ has done and the joy of this path for peace. And look at what the author of Hebrews says here in chapter 12. After listing off all of these people who have pursued faith, He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The path of peace is a costly one. But we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That the path of peace is a joyful one because we understand that the result is worth it. And that Christ endured the cross with the joy set before him. The invitation is for us to consider him when we don't want to take the next step on this difficult path of peace. We consider Christ who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He endured oppositions from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart that we may continue to take that next step to pursue justice and righteousness in our lives, to pursue reconciliation with those who have wronged us and those who we have wronged. Because we understand that Christ has done that work for us and we want to be a part of the life that he has brought us into We want to be a part of that reconciling work in which the barriers are broken down again and again and again, those things that divide us. And we are invited on this path. As the choir sings to us this morning, joy has dawned. Remember 
the joy that has dawned. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And this light invites us to continue to follow after him in this way. Let's pray. God, we ask that you continually make us into a people who are peacemakers in our world, are makers of shalom in our relationships, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. May our presence in our world, like your presence in our world, be one that shines a light of hope and peace to those around us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much. Choir, accompaniments, narrators, everybody that participated this morning in uh, bringing us this uh, wonderful presentation to warm our hearts and turn our thoughts to our Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas season. Let's stand and we're going to be dismissed in prayer. It is appropriate that uh, music is such an important part of our Christmas celebration. When you think of the Christmas story and all the announcements and the prophecies and the involvement of all And then finally, the explosion from heaven. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. The company of the heavenly angels, the armies of God from the Old Testament, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. An explosion of sound and music and celebration and joy. And it's so appropriate at Christmas season that we share that our little bit of it by singing, by listening, by sharing with the instruments and voices today, the glory to God in the highest. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I invite you to come back next Sunday and on Christmas Eve as we continue We're going to visit Bethlehem and once again contemplate the miracle of the Incarnation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of Christmas morning. We thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding that you have shed abroad in our hearts through the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of music. We thank you for the gift of voices and instruments to sing. It's so appropriate, Lord, we join the angels in heaven in worshiping and exclaiming your wonder, your glory, your righteousness, your justice, and your love as we celebrate once again this season the wonderful Christmas message, Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. In his name, we leave this place rejoicing, and all God's people can say together, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today.